same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello. It sounds so good to say that again. Uh, we've been on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, my name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. And uh, with me, as always, is you would be the Hulk to my banner. Uh, <laughs> I won't go as far as sure. abomination, okay. but you'll no, be the well, Hulk to my there's banner. Somebody, there's somebody here that it's an abomination. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bear. Thank you, sir. And with us, as always, the lovely and talented, our Jennifer Walters. <laughs> it is the lovely Jennifer Howland, the Baronessa. Thank you. And it's my pleasure to introduce our guest today. Um, he is an enduring mainstay in the comic book industry. He's been a vice president with DC Comics and Lion Forge Press, an Eisner Award judge, co-founder, and was co-publishing director for Yen Press. He's been a consultant, an adjunct professor teaching the history of comics and graphic novels, and he's here today to discuss his book, The Incredible Hulk, World Breaker, Hero, Icon. Please welcome Rich Johnson to our show. Thanks for joining us, Rich. My pleasure. Hey, guys, how you doing? Great. We're fantastic. Thanks for joining us on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> uh, so... Um, Rich, the first thing that we ask all of our guests that come on here, whether they are, you know, um, asking us to explain a difficult uh, comic book storyline on our Rec Conversation show, or uh, here on Graphically Novel where we take media and explain kind of maybe where a good jumping on point is for the character, um, we ask everybody, what's their history with comic books starting from when comic books entered your life? Sure. Um, as a kid, I, I had a single mom. We actually lived with her, her uh, mother and her stepfather. Um, and she would give me an allowance. And I'd go down to the you know the local grocery store. They used to have them stacked up at the bottom of the magazine rack and and buy a huge stack of comics every week. Um, I think it helped me learn to read. I think it also helped me to be potty trained because there's this infamous photo of me on the toilet with a Donald Duck comic. <laughs> <laughs> When I was much younger, I tried to destroy over and over again because it was embarrassing. And I, I think I actually um, put it on Facebook once and said, so is my career in the toilet? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I read as a kid. Um, I remember in, you know, because I'm older, in 69, reading the Denny O'Neill, um, Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow run and go, what? Oh, my God, this is just amazing. But honestly, during high school and college, I got out of reading comics. You know, just you're just busy doing other stuff. Mm -hmm. And what got me back in was, was in, I think, a mall somewhere. And I walked by this, I guess, a comic book retailer selling stuff. And I saw Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? It looks different. It's bound differently. It was the old prestige formats they did. You know, what is this? So I picked it up and I got hooked again. So I read Batman for the next 10 years. How I got to DC professionally, because I had been in a book retailer for Walden Books. I had been a book buyer. Um, I worked for Scholastic when Goosebumps was getting off the ground. Nice. Uh, we I'd taken a job in Philadelphia um, at a gift book publisher called Running Press. And while we were there, my, my wife's mom, her cancer came back. So we just wanted to move back to the New York area. And my wife found this ad in the New York Times for DC Comics looking for a national accounts manager. And back in 97, you guys are probably too young to remember maybe, but nobody gave a crap about graphic novels. As a matter of yeah. fact. Oh, yeah, no. A lot of people thought you were gonna you were selling erotica. Yeah, yep. it was a graphic novel. So you know, I, I got the job, and I quickly found out that 
my job was to sell graphic novels to anything that wasn't a comic shop, which meant all the bookstore chains, which there are more than there are now, mm -hmm. um, all the book wholesalers, independent bookstores. I brokered a deal in Canada with a distributor to get distribution up there. And I helped what was then Warner Books, later Hachette, um, try to sell books overseas. So I, I kind of paved the way for graphic novels into bookstores and libraries. Thank you. A lot you. of crap along the yeah. way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I have a quick unrelated to the Hulk question for you in, sure. in the vein of you being the, the, you know, getting into trade sales at DC. Yeah. Um, so obviously you get, to, you get to see all the, the great content that was coming out. You get, you get to sneak peek some of that ahead of time. Not always. I mean, we were, you know, we, as much as DC wanted to get into the book market, because, you know, Paul Levitz's thing was always, remember Paul Levitz, the former president of DC comics sure. and writer of Legion, you know, he always saw that he and Jeanette Kahn, um, the former president also, that, you know, comics were disposable. Nobody cared about them. You know, he, it would be nice if they were in a bound form. But we were sort of the redheaded stepchild. You know, the focus was the direct market, was the comic shops. And whatever sure. I was doing was just kind of weird, you know. And <laughs> Wait, at the books? Time, I think, comics that were actual books? No. <laughs> Believe me, it was a hard concept for some people to understand, particularly buyers at, at retail. Yeah. You know, they have, they were usually not fans of the medium. Um, so what I had to do was I played a game called Find the Geek. <laughs> well, I knew there'd yeah. be somebody in that building. Like, I remember going to Musicland. Remember Sam Goody and Media? Oh, yeah. 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 And we had a, a buyer. She was a lovely woman, and she didn't care about comics. But I'm like, I got to find somebody in this building who does. And I got to show her that he's excited about these books I'm bringing in. And that's exactly what happened. I also took it to the to the degree where I kind of maneuvered somebody at Walden Books who was a friend of mine to take over the category of buying graphic novels because it, be, it was being bought by the magazine buyer. And I wanted these to be viewed as real books, not stuck in a spinner rack somewhere. Mm -hmm. I was very against spinner racks for graphic novels. No, these should be on a bookshelf. Well, absolutely. They need to be fully out on display. Well, and they need yeah. to be presented as a book. Right. Instead of right. It, their own thing. No, that's that's genius. And, and let me say, my day job is actually as a sourcing specialist. Um, oh, okay. And and I have been a buyer. So you are the salesperson that I fear. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, that, that dad? tactic is amazing. Find the geek. I love it. <laughs> Actually, I was, this sounds weird, but I was at dinner with San Diego with Frank Miller. And um, I said I went into my super chatty mode with him. It was a long night. And someone later said to me, a friend of mine who's in publishing said, oh, God, you're scary when you get in like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sales mode. Right. Um, one other follow-up question to that is you obviously got to see plenty of comics coming through at, at, during your time as VP there. Um, could you recommend a Superman uh, comic or graphic um, that would make the haters out there reconsider him as an exciting character? Uh, the the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale, um, and I'm blanking on the name. Um, crap, Superman can, for all seasons. We can look. That what was up. that? S Superman, Superman for all, for all seasons. seasons. For all seasons. For all seasons. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm a big down. Jeff Loeb Tim Sale fan. Um, the story is basically Clark is it's an origin story. He's he's viewed as this big sort of country bumpkin. There's this really sweet scene where his parents are really worried about him. And he's sitting in his bedroom and they're on the other side of the house talking about him, how concerned they are because he's changing into something they don't know what it is. And while they're talking, he can hear them. 
And the parents actually said, oh, he can't hear. He's in this bedroom upstairs. Mm. But he can hear. Sure. It's a very, awesome. very sweet story. And when he makes his first appearance as Superman, this little kid sees him and is just enthralled by him. And he goes, nice costume. He goes, thanks. My mom made it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, that will probably come up. That story will probably come up when we get around to our Superman episode. Yeah. And they actually used that in uh, Lois and Clark because the first the time, time, yeah, yeah. the first time, time that uh, that Dean Kane shows up in the Superman costume, he says that line yeah. to a kid. I just remembered that because we just watched yeah, it we recently. Just watched it not that long ago. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so uh, to jump into. Uh, your book, The Incredible Hulk, World Breaker, Hero, Icon. This is the third out of uh, out of what will be fourth four books. Avengers is coming out in 2024. More, we're not sure. Um, okay. Four. The fourth is Avengers. It was just announced. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the first one was Captain America. Second one was Spider-Man. Or right. am I getting that? Okay. Oh, you're right. And, and then Incredible Hulk. What puts those characters as the ones that you want to put at the forefront? And how does Hulk fit in with Captain America and Spider-Man? Hulk is different, clearly, than the other two. Um, Hulk, you know, he's he's a monster. And sometimes he acts like a monster. Sometimes he kills innocent people. Um, the interesting thing for me for Hulk was always, usually a monster, you don't see a lot of the monster. You know, when, like Frankenstein. You don't see a lot of Frankenstein in the Frankenstein movie. They mm-hmm. kind of keep him set aside for effect. But here in the Hulk, he's front and center. So it's really a combination, I think, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and a little bit of a Mice and Men thrown in, if you've ever read that book. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. A strong guy, doesn't know his own powers, and the other guy who's, you know, the, the smarter guy, the farmhands. Um, and it's a balance, you know. He, there, they're two individual people, and sometimes Hulk two individual people. So it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a monster story. I didn't actually catch that reference until you brought it up in your book, where, uh, where you're talking about Grey Hulk and... The scene where he's actually got the he's rabbit got a in his hands. Rabbit in his hand. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's the big line from Mice and Men. Tell me about the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I had not that those. I did not make that connection in my brain until I saw that in your book, and I was just like, "Oh, that's amazing!" I like, why didn't I catch that before? <laughs> yeah. uh, Bear, I'm actually going to ask you uh, a question here because you are probably the most well-read Hulk uh, fan out of all of us. I and, mean, famously. Not a lot. Like right. after reading through this book, I have right. <laughs> so much more I need to read. Famously, you're you're our media guy. Like I I'm was the comics person, except when it came to Hulk. What story in here is it has gotten you to the point where you're like, I'm gonna find that and I'm gonna read it. Um you say that and now I actually have to and I drop stuff. Um now I actually have to flip the book open because I had that mentally noted, but I forgot to actually <laughs> jot it down in my notes. Um, you stumped him already. Right? Yeah. You got me going already. Um, actually, Totally Awesome Hulk was yeah. the one that I, that stuck out oh. immediately as I was flipping through. I was Amadeus just like, Cho? Yeah, we got, yeah, I got to read some Amadeus Cho because I've never read any of it. One thing I liked about Cho was that he designed pants that would grow with him. Right? Mm-hmm. I saw that in there. I was just like, this yeah. is obviously a kid that's on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> very confident, very cocky. Yeah. Very different than Bruce Banner, who tortures himself. Yeah, I, almost almost along the lines of, of She-Hulk, you know, Jennifer Walters being, like, very confident, you know, being in control all the time, and, you know, except for the, when his pants fell off and he was still talking to the chick, and he was, oh, wait a minute, sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> well, I love that she always broke the fourth wall, too. I think in the cover yes. of the mm-hmm. second series they did with her, I think it's the very first cover, she says... 
buy this comic or I'll come to your house and tear up all your X-Men comics. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which is a legitimate threat to Josh. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it reading that, actually, that was one of the comments that Jen gave me. Again, I, I my co-hosts, I, I had this idea, but I wanted people that weren't as intimately familiar with comics to give sure. that perspective. And so when Jen comes to me and is like, how have I not heard of this? It's a big deal. And for her, that was She-Hulk. Yeah. Not just after the show, like she was interested in the show. We loved the show, yeah. but the actual comics, she was like, how have I not read more She-Hulk? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, character. she yes. is a fantastic character. I mean, before I met Josh, really, my only foray into comics were um, the Sandman um I'm quite comics. familiar with those. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then before that, you know, the Archie comics, the stuff that was like yeah. next to the Reader's Digest at the grocery store. So yeah, um, I, I, uh, since meeting Josh and getting more into comics, I don't know why you didn't introduce me into She-Hulk. Well, I've I'm loaded gonna, it onto your you. tablet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, that's fine. We have to, it's not my fault for a change. That's right. Okay with this. Well, and we will be doing, you only read Archie. How did you find Sandman? I, a friend of mine gave it to me. He had the full run in long boxes individually oh, wow. in little, okay. yeah. Bagged and, and boarded. <laughs> he, he had them bagged and boarded, and he thought it was important enough for me to read that he gave me his bagged and boarded long boxes and said, just don't eat or drink when you're reading them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, real, you know, quick, Neil, I, I, when I met him, he had, he had just finished the run of Sandman. It was in 97. And he hadn't really been doing, a, he did a couple. He, I think he had Good Omens was out. It was a, like mm. a eh, moderate seller. Um, and I think he had done Neverwhere. Yeah. yeah. And that was about it. Um, so I didn't really know, I didn't read Sandman before I got there. So I didn't really know who this guy was to me. He was just some guy with long hair and a leather jacket and black pants and black t-shirt. I was like, Rich, I want to get my books into bookstores. <laughs> I'm trying to get Batman in right now. I'll see what I can do. But it's 20 years ago this year that Endless Nights became the first New York Times bestseller by an American comic book company. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 I have long since been a fan of of Neil since uh, Sandman was actually coming out in issues. And he's actually a really nice guy. Oh yeah, yeah. he's a very uh, nice. Guy. He seems it. Um, you know, wow. and and it's always great to have that confirmation that people, you know, are are who you think they are, especially in the in the industries that we frequent. Um, you know, I we we've said on the show before, a lot of people give Warren Ellis a lot of crap right now, and I'm like, Warren Ellis has pretty much always told you who Warren Ellis is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, there's nothing you could say about Warren Ellis that he did not show you in the '90s <laughs> or yeah. later. So. Um, so um, the chapters of your book um, go through kind of different stages of Hulk and how he's been described. And that's incredible, rampaging, savage, and immortal. Mm -hmm. How did you decide what stories to put in each of those? The, the process is, um, you know, when we decide on the character, um, I Google, I ask friends, you know, what are the best Captain America, Spider-Man, Hulk stories, mm -hmm. Avengers stories? I make a big list. Um, I sent we send it to Marvel. They say, "How about this? Maybe not that." And we pare it down to thirty titles. And then the next process is, as I read them, and I do read them all, um, we have to rank them. 
because those levels really that you see are really kind of what you need to know about the Hulk in order to understand the story better. Sure. Um, the easiest one to get is Captain America because it's Private Corporal Sergeant Captain. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So the, that's how that came about. So at the private level, you know, they're kind of origin stories, stories you don't need to know much except he's a superhero to really get the stories. And as you progress, and if you've seen the Hulk, it's like the stories that near the end of the book are like World War Hulk mm -hmm. and Planet Hulk, where you kind of have to have some of the mythology behind it to know what's going on. Yes, because these are these are obviously like world world shattering storylines. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the other question is even in the chapters, it seems like they're not linear. Like you're not following a chronological order. No, so Okay. Yeah. So what was the intention behind that? Um partly was just sort of the order that would be fun to read them. Um a little bit was the designer, you know, this would look better here. Mm. I mean, certainly the first chap, I kind of just come up with it organically. Like, clearly the first appearance is always his first. You right. Know? And then I, I guess it's sort of like building it. You know, how does it build as a story arc on its own? You know, what are the stories to have in the middle and what are the stories to end with kind of thing? And you kind of got to mix up a little bit the newer stuff versus the older stuff. Because some I of the older had... stuff, in all honesty, it's got to be, sometimes the dialogue's a little clunky in yeah. the you know, 60s comics. So you don't want necessarily two or three of those in a row because you want to break it up a little bit we've run into that quite a bit on on this show in oh, fact the don't biggest get me started yeah. on dark <laughs> <laughs> the biggest contention is is people who have read comics for a long time will look at things like dark phoenix and and you know remember reading it for the first time or having experience sure. and then you have people that are reading it for the first time and in their 40s like me <laughs> what the hell <laughs> it's a little clunky it's yeah a little clunky well it's also it's also a soap opera where you can read everyone's thoughts yeah where they literally had to put you know it was that time where they were literally putting everybody's thoughts into a into a bubble on the page yeah. and so you just got overwhelmed with what seemed like dialogue, but wasn't really dialogue. It was just, you know, the stray thoughts going through people's heads. Just thought bubbles. Yeah. 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 I mean, we didn't get quite get to the show. Don't tell, uh, aspects quite, quite yet, but yeah, yeah th but that I, I do appreciate that because I, I do know people that would probably be like, Oh, this is an old one or, you know, flip forward in the book, but by putting it through and also it kind of builds its own storyline. Um, and one of the things that Bear and I both noticed and both appreciated is you explain just enough of a storyline to get people interested yeah. and then don't give away the ending. You're like, oh, are you curious <laughs> about this? Go read it. And, and it, it's done very well with, you know, an appreciation of explaining everything without being like overbearing or patronizing, like literally going like, you know, She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall. I know oh, here's what the fourth wall is. You know, and without without looking at somebody being like, well, how do you not know what the fourth wall is? You're reading comic books. It's just well, yeah, and and there have been a few times where like Marvel and I had to we had to talk about explaining those things because sometimes you don't know. Like there's a Spider-Man one where um, the story starts out Peter Parker and Aunt May and her whatever her boyfriend was, whoever he was at the time, are at a lawyer's office. They're signing a deal to make her home into a boarding house, and to celebrate, they're going to go get an egg cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, who the hell knows what an egg cream is? Exactly. Born in 1930, 
I only do because I'm a fan of the West Wing and Toby Ziegler talks about it at one point with the president, but that's it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they didn't want me to include the description, but I said, I just read the Mel Brooks autobiography and he talked about his love of egg creams and he even he explains what it is. <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's just some of these, these industry terminologies that people might not know. Like if, if you're going to talk about the four color world without explaining to somebody that's never heard the terminology before like how do you how do you yeah. how do you not put that in there well really the book is was sort of what i did for a living you know yeah. when you when you pitch a book to a buyer you've got a somebody did a study you have about a minute not for every book but on the average it's a minute you get to pitch so you have to figure out a way to distill you know a 220 page book down to like four sentences or an elevator sentences. pitch yeah 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 basically like the one for i used to use for why the last man was um one day every man on earth dies except one guy and his monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got I got plenty of questions I want to ask about that. What are you talking about and what is that? Yeah. And what why is the monkey that? still alive? Right. Why is he still alive? Which um, ampersand's fate is a huge question in and of the whole story itself. Exactly. <laughs> um you kind of already answered this question that I had in my notes here. Um that the book mainly sticks to Hulk's home turf, you know, their his own titled comics um i was wondering if you had any particular opinions on hulk's appearance in other titles and if you had a favorite hmm let me think for a minute i'm trying to think of some of the avengers stuff that i've just done well, like that or like what did we what did I, we do old man logan and secret wars and well i think it, it's um god i'm trying to remember the, the the u.s avengers when it's not general ross as red hulk but it's somebody else as red hulk I saw that. I did not realize that that storyline even existed. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, Ross isn't Red Hulk? What's going on here? Yeah, there's a, and, and that he's a part of U.S. Avengers. Um, and I'm blanking on his name right now. He's, he's another general who worked with, with Ross. Um, but his is not the effects of Gamma. He has like a device that's sort of kind of like Venom in Batman that injects him and he gets to be a Hulk for an hour. Mm. Mm. Which is, I think, your dream there. Yeah, right? <laughs> Bane right? Hulk. I just get to be Bane Hulk Bane right there. Hulk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I used to call Venom, um, you know, Venom, which I use in, on Bane, it was um, steroids on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, our show is is focused on, on people who are familiar with the media. Um, and the media was not just the MCU. There was also the Lou Ferrigno show in the 70s. There was the Ang Lee movie that bear will argue with me until he is blue in the face it's is not much a better. bad movie it's just not a great movie right. <laughs> i mean it also has edward norton no no no. that's oh. the incredible oh that's hulk. incredible hulk. yeah um, sorry sorry that one was eric banna yeah 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 and don't forget all the animation yes yeah. and then there's a, a lot of the animated series there was yeah uh and he appears in a lot of different things there used to be a Oh, it was basically like Tiny Toons Marvel characters, and I can't remember the name of it right yeah, now. Yeah, I remember but that. He was awesome in that, too. Um, um, the Eric Bana movie actually comes up in the, you had bought me this book. Oh, right. Um, I don't remember how many years ago you bought me this book. It's the Marvel Cyclopedia um, of the Incredible Hulk. Oh, um, okay. Very different book from the one you wrote. This is literally like everything on the Hulk ever, up basically about till 2003 when the Eric Bana movie had come out. Um, this is more like 
for the super nerds like me that want to know about, hey, remember this toy, this whole toy or this, you know, video game or stuff like that, as opposed to um, what you've written, which I actually probably enjoy more because it's going to show me like the stuff that I want to read. Where can I go to find those things? Yeah, it's for people who are new to it and people like you who may not have read everything, but you, you kind of want, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that story. That sounds exactly. You go find it and read it. So uh, what media did you consume uh, for the book? You mentioned the MCU stuff in the well, book. Actually, and I you... went back and watched a little bit of, of I did buy the Blu-ray set of the Bill Bixby show. Nice. Um, and watched a couple episodes, you know, where I learned his name was David and, you know, mm-hmm. how he got his powers there, because I think I referenced it in, in one of the sections. Um, and I did rewatch some of the movies. You know, I, w- I hadn't seen the Ang Lee one in a long time, in a long, long time, and the Edward, or the Edward Norton one. I hadn't seen yeah. that in a long time either. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched those. So the current stuff, you know, I was up to date and, you know, you know, it's like on a Sunday afternoon, the Avengers stuff is on every hour somewhere. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so did you find a new appreciation for those things, you know, being deep in the Hulk? I think so. I mean, it's sort of like what, what ver- because he changes so much, it's like, what version do you like of him best? Mm-hmm. You know, do you like him as the big Smash Hulk guy? Do you like him when he's together? When he's got the intelligence and the big Hulk body, like, you know, at the end of the MCU movies? Do you like it when um, they're split and Banner is off the rails? Like, there's this one story we talk about in the book where he's sort of like on an island of Dr. Moreau kind of thing, where he's... Yeah. Yeah doing all these experiments and other creatures to turn them into Hulk-like, you know, entities. And so which were, you know, they're, they're very different, each one of them. So which one do you guys like better? Oh, for my money, it's Immortal Hulk. Um, that combination of your standard Hulk storyline, bringing it back a little bit of the Gray Hulk, you know, where he's pretty much only Hulk at night, but he's, yeah. he's Bruce Banner during the day. And the fact that they intended the whole thing to be a horror series. Um, I think they it really is, brought yeah. that that feel into it um, in in pretty much all all the comics there. Yeah, you know, Hulk is horror. To me, you know, Captain America was war comics that kind of mm-hmm. morphed into espionage comics. And Spider-Man are romance comics to me. Oh, nice. I like that. Ooh, that, that makes sense. About it. You know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of yeah. what he is in his mind all the time is how can I protect Aunt May or Mary Jane? It's about relationships. When we, you know, fails to protect. How can we keep his marriage safe from Casada? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I guess Hulk for me, I, I really like, uh, and again, it's delving more into Hulk as a, as a monster, but not just Hulk as a monster. Hulk is a straight villain, and that's the Ultimate Comics. But that's because while you were trying to get graphic novels on shelves that year, I was graduating from high school. Uh, Jen was getting married for the first time. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, you know, different points in our lives. I was super into the ultimate universe. I was working in a comic book store when it came out, like, you know, it was just amazing to me. And actually it was our first episode uh, yeah, of this that show. That was our first episode. And I still remember exactly what I said about Hulk in there is that to date, that was the most terrifying version I had seen of Hulk when you've got this horny jealous rage monster that is literally out to you know do x-rated things to people in, in like he's, he's gonna go after betty he's gonna literally eat cap 
Yeah. And it's like, he was literally just a monster. Yeah. I think it's kind of a tough character to write for because, you know, he is a monster. Mm-hmm. And, he, and how do you balance that out? Or sometimes right. you don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, how do you make him a redemptive character? How do you make him a hero? How do you make him something that people can relate to? And I think that that's why I like on, on two sides, I like when they're completely separated and when, you know, sort of the, the, the Bill Bixby series where he is constantly trying to find a cure for what he, you know, what he becomes to, um, the Mark Ruffalo, um, Smart Hulk. Combined, Smart Hulk, where they're combined, yeah. you know, it's like how, you know, who do you empathize with? Um, so well, those are the two. What led up to Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, he went crazy in Las Vegas and killed a bunch of people. That's why, you know, the Illuminati sent him into space to get rid of him because they thought he was too dangerous. Right. Which, reading through this, Las Vegas seems to be a place that the Hulk destroys a lot. He's in the desert <laughs> a lot. Well, because, yeah, you know, I mean, and he goes to a lot of diners. Have you noticed yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, he does. Lots of diners. <laughs> Not much to do in the desert, but go That's to diners. Lot. We and... ever sit down and we're playing a role-playing game and y'all walk into a diner out in some small town in the <laughs> desert, just know that it's going to turn into a Hulk, you know, a Hulk cameo here sooner yeah. or later. Note to self, we'll not do that. In New Jersey, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that leads perfectly into my my next question which is for everyone but we'll start with you rich uh is hulk a hero sometimes sometimes not sometimes he's a villain and that's what makes him i think this is sometimes i think tough to to write and um it is interesting that you know the that he is so loved too mm-hmm. you know he's this destroyer of worlds world breaker but people still you know buy the little foam rubber hulk hands and pretend to because i i say everybody has a rage monster inside of them that's what's yeah really you actually say in your book like who amongst us has not put on the rubber hulk hands yeah <laughs> or you know yelled screaming at the guy that cut him off in traffic yeah yeah we actually used the rubber hulk hands in amp guard at one point didn't we? yeah we had, uh a boffer larp that we used to play in and actually we tried to use the hulk hands as like a uh an actual melee like contact weapon and and the, the referees and the the people running the game were just not having that they were like that's that's a little too much direct force put on a person we're, we're not letting that slide remember the Hulk game for me it was either the late 90s or the early 2000s was, was the that the game. maximum damage or maximum destruction that was a great game I don't know if I played that. I wasn't super, I wasn't doing a whole lot of video games at that point in time. Oh, I still am. But I, what I remember is you could pick up a cow and throw it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have to play this game. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll need, I think, an original PlayStation to do it. Oh, I'm sure it's probably on GOG or Steam and somewhere. Emulator. Probably. Emulator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was, that was great. Uh, yeah. They haven't done like a really good Hulk game probably since then, which is weird. Like the Avengers game that just came out you felt like the Hulk playing it. In fact, that, I think that was the character that I ran through almost the entire game playing. I think no, that was I, the I one you that, showed I me. I haven't really gotten into playing that yet. At first, I thought it was a little funky, and then I read that they made all these updates and it's a better play. They have. And, and the storyline's fun. I mean, it's it's the introduction of Ms. Marvel, which is great, you know, to, to a larger audience before yeah. the Ms. Marvel show had come out. But, like, running around, like, you can hit the jump button twice and you, like, will jump and then, like, super jump, like the Hulk. 
and like smashing everything is just hitting a button and it just feels really I cool. Say, I think that was you showed me yeah. that game at one point in time yeah. and it was like he had all kinds of he had actually some some pretty decent com like if you were a more technical player, like some button combos that you could work out, but mainly he was just designed to be a, a yeah. button masher play uh, yeah. character. You unlock the earth smash. You unlock the the hand clap, yeah. the thunderclap, like all of that stuff. It's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, just the the uh, getting into the Hulk. I think that's that. You're absolutely right, uh, Rich. That's where people tap into that. You know, a time where you were so mad you saw red. You know. Yeah. It happens to everybody. It's part of the human condition. And so to have somebody on the pages just doing it, but also being considered a hero and a villain and like in between. I mean, personally, I kind of think like in, in, in going back to your question of is Hulk a hero, I'd have to say, I don't, I don't know if I can ever actually call him a hero. I think at best I'd call him an anti-hero, like his best case scenario. Because even at the point, like, if he's running around as Banner and he's trying to help people, eh, he's kind of trying to help people. Um, he's also trying to somewhere along the lines of helping people, usually like looking for a cure or, you know, some way to reverse what's going on or to combine what's, you know, going on with his personalities. He's always got an ulterior motive, I think. And I think that's in my mind what never essentially gets him to the hero level, but just kind of keeps him at the level of an anti-hero. He's also a tragic figure. I mean, there's a story yeah. in the book. Um, it was, it was a, like a 10-year-later sequel to a Peter David story. Where the he, end. Yeah, where he's a shriveled creature, a shriveled-up old Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. wandering a dystopian world with no one around, and he just can't die. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, his, his appearances, like, well, or his appearances, his alternate as maestro, is another one of those that you know he sees that it's it's something that uh they're just touching on in the newer star trek uh where they have captain pike who knows where he's going to end up yeah you know? i just finished the the other day the season two finale oh good uh but in that but that was something that was carried on from from discovery where where he saw his fate he knows where he's going to end up you know hulk has seen the has seen maestro and yeah. always has that question of is that where i'm destined to go is yeah. that where i'm going to end up mm-hmm. you know and like you're absolutely right it's heartbreaking um you know in so many different ways the hulk just doesn't have a happy ending at the end yeah. like n- no scenario ends in a happy ending so if your favorite character is the hulk who are your favorite characters um well for me uh it is a combination my my absolute favorite character of all time is gambit uh i i my my car has a license plate of lebeau um but i'm also a huge spider-man fan so we haven't done oh. the spider-man show we may be reaching out to you to That's see fine. if we, we could talk about uh about web slinger hero icon for that um but yeah those are my two guys and in, in in a lot of ways it's just because they're so relatable like they screw up all the time you know they 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 have good intentions but either gambit just comes across as too much of like a sleazeball for people or the parker luck kicks in you know or something happens where it all just falls apart and that's you know i'm i'm an old school like you know dawson's creek 
that kind of thing. So, like, I, I like that melodrama. <laughs> yeah, can attest. He's yeah. a he's a rom com lover. Well, um, I mean, if we're talking about uh, you know these types of comics, I would say Black Widow is probably my favorite. But um, comics, I have to go back to Sandman. I just love that world so much. Um, you know, it was my introduction to comics, but it was also, I mean, Neil is such a phenomenal writer. He has such an amazing imagination and the worlds that he creates are just, I, they just click with me. So that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. Mine, um, Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. Although as a kid, I used to love reading Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Nice. So much that I would get the, you know, the, the stick pretzels, the big long ones, and cut off one end and nice. kind of <laughs> you know, That's awesome. But, you know, the super, I'd, I'd be interested to talk any Superman podcast, too, because I think that I was teaching a class at Drexel on comics, and um, they had to write a paper about which characters are still relevant. And this is before all the, you know, the mcu was out or the dcu the mm -hmm. recent um dc movies put it <laughs> um and um there have been books written about the relevance of superman and this kid said um in his paper you know after 9 11 i remember seeing that it was an alex ross image remember the, it was on the cover of our 9 11 book we did mm -hmm. um it's superman with crypto standing in front of a mural of um firefighters and first responders and police officers and he just says wow which is dates back to a 1930s or 40s ad they did with a little kid looking up at the superheroes so it was a little twist on that and he said at that time he was the superhero we needed i thought that's that's right he has to be the goal he has to be what you aspire to be you know he can't he shouldn't be dark you know let's just forget about that a dark superman is not a good superman he needs to be positive. I think Tom Welling was one of the best Supermans out there, even though he mm. wasn't. Because you always got a sense with him that even if he didn't have powers, he would fight for what was right and for what was just. It's okay. You can block him. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I was showing the, the image the that image you were the, that you were talking, talking about. about. Okay. I am not a huge Superman fan. However, I watch Smallville from the premiere episode all the way through to the finale i i really really enjoyed what they did with smallville and i think that the um the best thing that dc did when they greenlit the show was say we never want to see him in the cape we never want to see him in the suit and because that was part of kind of the bible of the show was no, it was no, about no clark flights, no yes yep no flights no tights um yeah no it was it, it was a great show. Um, I like what they're doing with the the Superman and Lois show now because I like uh, the continuation of a story, and I like seeing Clark and Lois being parents and having to balance. Yes, you're Superman. Yes, you take care of the world's problems, but you have two teenage boys at home, and uh, you have family stuff to take care of as well. You know, and, and you know, back to the MCU. You know, when I heard they're doing Captain America movies, I'm like, oh my god, he's such a he could be such a dated character. Mm -hmm. if they don't but they did him right they i mean they embraced his ah shucksness yeah you know? right language oh it's yeah it's yeah the the scene at the beginning of age of ultron where where yeah. he, he goes language and they're like did cap just say language he's like it just slipped out like he knows that he's out of time and he knows those things yeah. but he can't Ooh, help that it. reference yeah that one. and you also see him grow 
into yeah. the new, you know, by by Endgame, he's making comments about America's ass, you know? Yeah. So you get to see Steve grow as a character. Yeah. And I think that's what brings a lot of people to the MCU and what, or, or to movies in general um, that have that serial, but why they might be hesitant about comics. Because from the outside looking in, it seems like comics are very stagnant. Um, well, the other thing is, and one of the purpose of this book is, you know, I tell people you walk into a bookstore or a library or a comic shop and you see this wall of books. And you're like, where do I begin? Yeah, where where do, and that was exactly it for me. Yeah. And then when you start reading, you're like, okay, why is Tony Stark blue in this comic? <laughs> or, you know, I, I was talking to, you know, Heidi McDonald from The Beat? She's an old friend of Comics I, Beat. Do not, but um, it's, uh, a, it's a comics website. She's an old. She's a comics journalist and former editor. She actually acquired Why the Last Man. Oh, cool! I was talking to her, and it's like you know the problem is like which Robin is this? You know which Robin are we on? There's been like twelve of them now, or whatever. You know, right. it's hard to keep track of everything. Yeah, and and you know that's that's been kind of our mission statement, and obviously yours with these books is to try yeah. and and bring people the answer to that question because yeah. it, it's it's. If it's something like Doom Patrol's had three seasons, you know, and people are like, where do I start on Doom Patrol? I'm like, well, here is the closest approximation to the TV show and also a starting point. There's a good place to start. But you look at something like Hulk or Superman and you're like, okay. uh, The wealth of material that's out there is just... How far back you want to go? What kind do you like? What do you like about the character? Because you're going to need some stuff, you know, from further back. And yeah, no, I, and I'll say that this is going to be, you know, your, your books here will probably be gifts that I give to people that come to me and ask things about like, okay, so Captain America, where do I start? Well, here, (laughs) you know, you start right here. Ellie's Ellie's getting a copy of the Captain America book for sure. Yeah, there, um, there was one story in there that surprised me. I had never read it. it it's in the intro part. Um, hold on. It's It was an origin story. I just happened to have it behind me. <laughs> um, location, location, location. Yes. It's right here behind me. All right. Oh, here it is. Okay. It's um, The Adventures of Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. Hmm. Um, it's a really great intro story. Oh, wow. That's Captain Hitler. <laughs> really great art, you know. So I think it's like late 1980s, I think. Interesting. And um, they actually created three characters for it. There were these weird, you know, Hydra characters that they I don't think ever used ever again, which was really kind of because they were kind of fun and stupid and goofy. It's like I would have liked to have seen more of them. Well, you know? the, yeah, that's uh, the next time a writer's like, man, I just I need to find something from way back. Be like, hey, these goofy characters. <laughs> yeah, it was a good story. I recommend that one. Same Very cool. One. I will. I will absolutely check that out. Any other questions for Rich? Um, I don't have a question, but I did want to bring up um, uh, how much I appreciated who was who collaborated with you on this book, especially the artists of the front and back covers. And I love that ha- their different art styles and also. Uh, Josh didn't mention it. I was brought onto the show because I'm an art history yeah. major. <laughs> I'm into art. So um, I just loved the the difference of those art styles, but just incredible artists. Um, Addie Gravnoff and Jim Chung. 
great, great artists. Um, and I just loved the inclusion in your book. And the selection of the art too, you know, I, how, again, how I do that is, you know, I, I luckily have access to Marvel Unlimited. So mm -hmm. I just, I go through all the issues and I just take screenshots of, of nice. art, I think it's cool. And for the first three books, um, we had a designer named Maria Cabardo, an old friend of mine who used to work at DC. She's she's known for so many things. Um, she packaged the first Halo graphic novel. Okay. Oh. Put that together. She did a documentary on Jeffrey Jones, um, an artist who did a lot of heavy metal stuff, mm -hmm. who transitioned to a woman. She, she directed it. Um, so she interviewed people like Mobius before he passed and Neil Gaiman and a bunch of other people. And she designed these. So she's got a real great eye for placement and for what, like you said, the the art on the, on the front and back of the book. It's with Spider-Man, too. And again, I just happen to have it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, have to move toys out of my way before I grab yes. books. <laughs> so this is the front cover. You can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Very different than the back cover. Oh, yeah. Very cool. And I just love this image. This is amazing. That is so, an amazing image. Yeah, it's just a really good eye that she has. Yeah, so I, I just, I I wanted to call that out because I really appreciated the design of the book, the yeah. choice of art. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it from that aspect as well. Um, you know, just you can uh, see it blown up and, you know, yeah. it's really gorgeous. Yeah. I just had one last question here in my notes sure. for you. Um, you at one point in time were an Eisner Awards judge, correct? I was, yes. Uh, can you, um, was there a particular comic that stood out to you at that point in time as your favorite that during that time when you were judging? There was one I discovered that was really unusual and weird that I really liked called okay. Elmer. Called what? Elmer. 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 Okay. It's by, uh, I think he was a Brazilian artist. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. The premise of the book is that it opens up with someone being interviewed for a job and the interview is not going well. And he's saying, you're being prejudiced against me. You discriminate against me, and you find out he's talking to a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because at one point, every chicken becomes sentient. They they, they get intelligence and the power to speak. It's oh, that sounds book. entertaining. It's a that... really weird book, and I thought this is unusual and really kind of cool. So that's one that I remember stuck out a lot. Awesome, that's super cool. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, uh, normally we end our show by talking about not talking with the author, but talking about a comic that we've introduced the audience to and saying, would you recommend this book? And I think all of us are pretty solidly on the, we recommend this book. <laughs> oh, um, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we'll let you get back to your Saturday. Um, but uh I, I will be in touch uh, with with your agent to see if we can get you back for like Spider-Man or maybe even touch base. If you want to do a little bit of Superman talk, uh, sure. we'll see what you're what you're willing to do. But thank you again. Uh, this has been amazing. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Yep, you as well. Well, everybody, that is it for our uh, pretty major first uh, episode back, huh? Right. Yeah. Uh, Tune in. Uh, this is just the beginning of our Hulk Love Fest, where we will be going through and talking about all of our Hulk. Uh, as we've mentioned, we are doing Superman. Uh, due to this interview, we're moving Superman to the back burner and going to move Hulk <laughs> front and center. Uh, possibly after that. Well, during Hulk, we will also talk She-Hulk uh, and move her into into that realm. And then, um, what do you say, a little Sandman, Jen? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right. Uh, Spider-Man after that, we'll see where it goes. But uh, the new season of Rec Conversations is recording right now. So likely what will happen is we're going to finish up the uh, releasing the time travel episodes, which will all be out by the time you hear. Um, and then uh, probably a season of Rec Conversations. Or no, sorry, the Hulk. Season of Rec Conversations, Superman, and then the content will go from there. But until then, take it away, Vandela. Nothing's ever as it seems. 